Hey, hey, welcome back to another episode of the Awakening Her podcast. Super excited to be here today. I have such a great episode for you in store. Today I'm sitting down with Monica Hall, and she owns a company called Conduit of Healing. She is a Reiki master, teacher, light worker, mentor, psychic medium, and all around incredible soul. In this episode, we're talking about the quest for self-discovery, spirit, mind, and body. And yes, spirit, mind, and body is put in that order on purpose. We also talk about so many topics from parenting to judgment. We talk about perfection. And at the end, we have an incredible chat about boundaries. I can't wait for you to hear how she explains boundaries, how to have them, what they truly are. And so this entire episode is like the quest for self and how that ties into manifestation, creating the life of your dreams, accessing your gifts, and really stepping into your purpose. So I know you're going to get a lot out of this episode. Monica is such a fun soul. She's got a great laugh. We have a great interaction and I can't wait for you to hear everything that she's about to share with you. So without further ado, let's welcome Monica onto the show. Hey, Seeker, welcome to the Awakening Her podcast. I am so grateful that you've been led here, and I'm excited for you that you're answering the call to manifest more magic in your life by mastering the law of attraction. So cool. My name is Talia, and I'm committed to cutting the fluff and showing you exactly how to manifest more excitement, ease, success, abundance, confidence, love, and anything else you've been craving. So if you're ready to crack the code on manifestation, amplify your intuition, and play in the quantum. We are now besties. Let's do this. Welcome to the show, Monica. I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm so excited for everything we're going to get into. You guys, this, this woman's amazing. I can tell already we're going to we're going to have so much gold come up here. So why don't you start by telling my audience a little bit about yourself and, you know, your journey. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll, I'll try to pare it all down because I feel like I've been through so many journeys. It's, it's all one great big journey. But um, my name is Monica Hall. I live in New York um, and I'm a psychic medium. Reiki master teacher and light worker mentor. And my journey started at five. And I, I feel like a lot of psychics say that. Um, but definitely at five years old, uh, my spirit guides first started speaking to me. I am number three of four kids. So it was a very crowded house, very boisterous people. And uh, it was too loud for me as a sensitive. Um, I, I remember my childhood being filled with a lot of migraines because everything was just so loud. Um, so the only place I could actually find solitude and quiet was my walk-in closet. So I spent a lot of time there. And that is when I first encountered spirit. And I mean, they, uh, I many years I found out later, my main spirit guy's um, name at the time, Satu, explained to me what we we're going to do with my life. Everything from you're going to study acting, you're going to live in New York, you know, you're going to do this, you're going to do that. And I listened. And by the time I was 13, Satu had actually taught me how to meditate. So I had never had any formal education on meditation. I had never seen it. 
Um, that's not a really big thing in the, in the southern region of um, the United States. And I just listened. And it really changed how I interact with the world, my perspective. And I also feel like it gave me confidence at an early stage because when you are a child, I, I, you know, in theory, you're highly impressionable. Um, in theory, you know, people feel like they can tell you who to be, how to act and how to behave. And I was just kind of a lost cause that way, you know, sorry, mom, but not really. Um, and so that journey began. And so I moved to New York, got a college degree in acting, which, um, as I was saying to you earlier, really helped me. Uh, I feel like, uh, I feel like anybody who's a performer kind of has almost like, a, an expressway. Uh, to developing their uh, abilities as a psychic or a sensitive or just giving voice to those feelings um, and to those insights. You are trained to take up space, use your voice, um, even, even kind of call attention to yourself in the subtlest ways. Um, I really started having a major development in my 20s, and I knew what it was, but, you know, absolutely a disaster in terms of kind of getting my, my, myself, my brain, my everything around it. Um, lots of downloads, lots of energy blasts to um, my crown chakra. I was just walking around a lot of times with like almost debilitating headaches. And I think that anybody who's had an experience and awareness, if you will, of those, those vital chakras opening up for the physical body, it can be rather painful. Um, but I, I got, I got, you know, finally got the hang of it, you know, finally got to the point where I stopped questioning spirit as much because the results were like, I just kind of got tired of having my ass handed to me over and over and over. It's like, okay, we don't need to keep this hurt. So I'm not going to do that anymore. Um, and so I've been conduit of healing formally for 10 years already. And what's happening to me now is just, it's almost like a watershed moment of all the different methods of healing and ways that we can heal are, that are available to us and how we can do it in small ways, how it's a process, how we can and should encourage one another, um, how the universe is kind of using life itself socially, um, relationships wise, even as we were speaking before encounters with nature to say, go ahead, keep going. Um, so yeah, that, that's a bit of my story. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Thank you for sharing. Um, yeah, it's, it's incredible how, especially in our twenties, it's a messy time and we yes. resist a lot, especially, you know, us that are sensitive and, a lot of us have been through trauma and like, we're just trying to process so much right. in our twenties, but yeah. it is a time that of course I don't actually wish I could go back and change this or that. But you look, I look back at my 20 something year old self and I, I wish that she, again, not actually, cause you know, everything brought us here yes. for this time, but I just, you were so, you did have those nudges inside and you were being pulled, but it's just such a messy time. And 
Thankfully, we most of us make it out okay, but it really is a long haul. It feels like, you know, how to do two decades in one decade, it's your 20s. It just feels like it's so much. It is a lot. It really, really is a lot. And, you know, it's so funny that you're talking about the lessons because here's the thing I think that what I took away from that and what I tell people that I'm working with, we haven't been trained to heed the whispers in life. It's only when you feel something is slapping you around, screaming bloody murder. They're like, oh, hi, I didn't know you were here. And it's like, are you serious? It's like, well, there was that fleeting moment where I felt it's like, yeah, that was still me. (laughs) Um, You know, I've had that experience with my guides, you know, or angelic beings or just, you know, whomever, whatever, or even the universe energetically going, Go this way. No, I think I'm going to take this detour. Oh, really? Oh, so you want to take the painful long way. Sure, we'll see on the other side. He's like, oh my God, I almost died. It's like, so we try to help you. (laughs) And so I feel like that's part of development, learning to not only follow the guidance, but to discern it when it's it's barely a whisper. You can barely hear. Mm -hmm. And you know, I have this whole thing that I've sort of rediscovered about just basic intuition, how it literally is part of life, of ourselves, of how we're born. It's in nature. Intuition is everywhere. And yet the humans are the only ones that immediately start gathering to talk one another out of intuition and more into intellect. And then, you know, I feel having that aspect of ourselves be be discounted, mistrust, miseducated, really does lead us to, you know, spiritual unrest. And so that is kind of what our youth becomes and what our 20s become. And when you're sensitive, you know, you're not going to be left alone. You're just going to be nagged and nagged and nagged until you finally just give up. Like, okay, what do you want from me? And then you go, oh, well, if somebody had just told me this when I was five, when I was saying, uh, I don't like this person's vibe at five years old, rather than having a parent going, you don't know what you're talking about, them saying, why? Mm. How much early childhood trauma would have been avoided if we as a society, as a collective, honored children's feelings and their intuition about what's happening to them, Mm -hmm. not what we project onto our kids, you know, because I think that's that's a struggle for parents to see their offspring as something separate from themselves or to take the time and energy needed to listen and go, why are you saying this? What's going on? You know, I, I don't have, to, we, we get the, I don't have time to talk about this. You don't know what you're talking about. You know, be quiet, be a child. Like, what does that even mean? Be a child. Or I love like, no, you're fine. It's like, oh, oh I get it. I have a so bad feeling. My I have a bad feeling. Just listen to you say that. Yeah. Oh no, you're fine. Um, <laughs> who are you to tell me I'm fine? Exactly. Even if you're a mother or a close relative, like they have those feelings for a reason. I love what you're saying here about the intuition because I teach intuition and I'm being called to come back and do it more again. And, and I feel like we're going to need it. I, I, I feel like 
you know, because it came to me that this needs to be broken down into its most basic form, not to be a psychic, but to be a well-rounded human being. Because this isn't about predicting the future so much as it is, you need to be able to see the the entire playing field so you can make the best decision for yourself, for your own well-being. That's why it's there. Yes. You know, intuition in animals may be a life or death situation. I feel like a predator around. I feel like prey right now. I should probably run. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've been talked out of that. And it's, it's, it's time to bring it back. It's going to, it's, it's going to, it's going to bring a lot of clarity and a lot less confusion in terms of just how we develop as a species. Yeah. It's like clearing the noise and getting to the truth of it. I don't mean truth in the physical experience. It's the the source truth of it. And I I really do experience that with people and intuition is when I'm asking them the basic questions or say I ask a question on my Facebook page. So sort of everyone can weigh in, whether they're a client or not. And I say, you know, what is intuition to you? Or what is your struggle with intuition? I find that over and over again, when people are new to it, they think it's that voice that comes in in the life or death situation, or should I take this job or not? Should I marry this person or not? And it's that yes or no. And it's like, okay, yes, that is a part of your intuition. That's part of it, sure. But as you said, the best way I can relate to it is that it feels like there's always a tape running. There's always, it's like a radio for me. I'm very clairaudient. That's probably my dominant type, I'd say. And it sounds like a constant chatter in a good way, in a loving way, in a subtle way. And if Mm -hmm. I tune into it, it's always there. So it's not just times of crisis or times of giant decisions. Mm-hmm. It's actually there. No, it's everyday time. small things. And it's to be pulled. I always say that. Like it's pulling you through life in the best outcome for all, not just you, for right. all. And See, that, that, that part where it's the all, when we've been taught to be selfish, mm-hmm. I think that is, that's going to be a challenge for a lot of people. You, what do you mean it's not just about me? It's like, Listen, you have to understand what a collective is. A collective is made up of individuals and absolutely keep what's for your best and highest good, not what your ego needs right now. Like petting you for five minutes isn't going to change the next five years. It's not going to address the next five years Um, for sure. And, you know, how I experience intuition, uh, there's a couple ways. Um, the first I would say, and I feel like is the most basic for people, is just mind your chakras. My, like that, that, that gut feeling, that's basic. We, we all have the, the gut feeling and also um, the feeling of an aura touching your aura that isn't right. You know, it's that feeling of, oh, I feel like I need to take a shower when I speak to them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hi, that's your intuition. Mm-hmm. One of the things I find very interesting that I feel like been developing and, and sort of catching on is intuitive eating. You know? Um, You're funny. I've, I used to be a nutrition consultant. And when I branched out of working in a clinic, that's what I focused on for a few years. I had a business, Food Buddha, and it was all intuitive eating. That's, that's yeah. what started me actually with deeper levels of intuition as I was trying to heal myself from an eating disorder and intuitive right. eating is what saved me. So I love that you said that. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, I have changed, comp- you know, last year out of, out of, out of nowhere, my body just said to me, I don't want meat anymore. 
So last year, for the first time, I made a vegan Thanksgiving dinner for myself, which was amazing. And from there on, it was just sort of, no, no thanks, no thanks, no thanks. And so um, in the last, I would say, four months, it's just been completely meatless. And it has, you know, nothing to do with, you know, what I think a lot of people would say in terms of, you know, the souls of things and, and so on and so forth. At some point in time, my body required protein that was specifically from animals. I didn't get the same kind of um, alertness or, or fulfillment by having beans as I did maybe a piece of meat. And now, and I, and I feel like my crew is telling me right now, it's because I've been able to ground myself and I no longer require the heaviness of meat to stay grounded to the planet. Yeah. So, you know, it can be part of your spiritual process that I would like to say should not be forced. Mm-hmm. It should not be forced. I feel like a lot of people think that in order to be spiritual, they have to do this, 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 and this. This is your story. It's your journey. And part of intuition is knowing what you need when you need it, not looking around and seeing what everyone else is doing and it's working for them. Their journey is theirs. Yours is yours. I'm no longer eating meat. I don't know how long it's going to last. It could be for the rest of my life. Today, I made an scrumptious veggie pot pie, and it was the most sexiest thing I've seen all day. Um, but that's my story. And, you know, that's the beautiful thing about intuition. It's going to help you write your story. And I think that's so, so important. Yeah, that's so perfectly said. Thank you so much for saying that. And I, I really, it's funny because my intuition had me vegan for over four years. It wasn't a conscious decision. I should be vegan. So I had tried to do it before, but it was from that scrambly, desperate, this will make me lose weight place. And it never worked. But when I was intuitively led yes. almost right away, I cut out meat and it was not even something I was trying to do anymore you know, for any particular reason, it was just what the body wanted. I've had enough. Thank you very much. No more. No more. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, those things of the soul and the suffering of animals and all that, it was an element. The deeper I got into it, the more I was like, yeah, I don't really want to be eating the fear and the sadness and all that. But it wasn't this like raw, raw protest, vegan documentary, slaughterhouse type motivation. It was from my soul and my heart and my compassion. You know, I have relationships with animals and, you know, I feel like when you zoom the camera lens of life out, while we are projecting on to other species who need what they need in order to survive, if, if an animal is hungry and it's a carnivore, I'm food. Yeah. And that's, that's the circle of life, if you will. That's how the universe meant it. I've always felt like an omnivore. I actually still do, even though I don't want meat. Um, But I think about those things. I don't feel as a human being, I'm any less of an animal or any more special than anything else in nature. I really don't. Um, I respect, I respect them. I respect me. Now I'm at the point where I'm like, well, it's not even that. It just my, it's not appetizing. My body doesn't need it. It's not sustenance I need in order to continue this life journey that is. Um, 
it is mindfully being present in what I consume. And, you know, I do think that a lot of people just mindlessly eat and they're eating meat because that's what they've always done without, you know, checking in with their body going, does that even look appetizing? Or are you just filling an empty stomach? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, that's why I'm never going to be poo-pooing on anyone's, um, what they need for nutrition and sustenance because I'm looking at, otherwise I'm going to have to judge other animals. It's like, well, Mr. Lion, <laughs> you could have been having lettuce, but no, no, here you are eating my thigh right now. <laughs> are you sure you want that gazelle? <laughs> and, you know, just saying, yeah. it yeah. has a family. <laughs> Yeah. And I love that you say that. It's like, if you were to judge other people, now we have to start judging the entirety of the food chain, which is judging the universe and judging the... Exactly. And I think that it's... So coming back to the intuitive eating part, eating what you're led to eat, what feels like your body needs. And you could not eat meat for a week, for a year, for five years. And then one day your body might go, I would... Exactly. And I've seen that happen to people. It's just like... you've got to be cool to roll with it too and not be like, but I'm this, but I'm... The hard and fast rules can just be thrown out the window as far as I'm concerned. Really. Because to me, it's too... Anything that's too hard and fast, energetically, I energetically, I reject it. Like Mm -hmm. I'm putting words to how I feel, but it just, it it makes me like skeeve. Ew, stop. Mm -hmm. That's not your job. You know, source said I have free will that I can, I co-create my experience. Why are you over here? Like, why are you doing that? Mm -hmm. And you know, nine times out of of 10, it's because they don't want to focus on their own story. It's so much easier to go. You should, you should, you should. As opposed to, I really need to get to work on that. Right. Yes. Yeah, I love it. It's like, ew. It, <laughs> it really is. does feel that way. And it makes everyone around you feel icky and it, it everything. It's like judgment, right? Like on yourself, on other people, and it's all the shoulds. It just is like an icky place to be. <laughs> it, it's a very ridiculous distraction if you're actually trying to move forward in your own life. Because in order to judge others, you actually have to stop what you're supposed to be doing and you have to look around and you have to take and assume an authority you, no one actually gave you. The universe never gave you that. And you're just like, I don't like that you're doing. It's like, and so? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's this misconception of like the choices you make, if you stand for them, then you should go and try to convert other people because that's what it really means. That comes from religion and, and politics and government. Right. We've been doing that game for, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of years. Right. That leads me to the whole idea of needing validation for the choices you make. You're not sovereign if you're constantly needing somebody to, oh, you're right, pat on the head, pat on the head, good job. Then, you know, you, you haven't really gotten to a place in your practice where you're sovereign. You go, this is right for me. It doesn't have to be right for you. This is not a conversation about whether or not I'm doing it right. Stay on your side. Yeah. (laughs) I don't need validation. This is my journey. And you know, the highs, the lows, the in-betweens, those are all going to be my consequences, not yours. Yeah. So I need you to stay over there. Yeah. But if I need your help, I'll be sure to come and ask you. 
Yeah. And there's a place for it all. There's a place for the people that want to stand up and, you know, stand for women's rights or stand for animal rights or whatever in love. And maybe that's part of their mission. But it doesn't mean that everyone that makes a choice should go and scream it from the rooftops to try to have everyone else make the choice they're making. You know, there's a difference between a passionate thing you stand for and just, I'm going to do this and now everyone else should do it. You know, that's kind of, that's different. Well, again, it's, it's at the end of the day, I'm going to call a thing a thing that's insecurity Mm. needing to be satiated by validation, because if it's working for you, if you are leading yourself, who follows you is irrelevant Mm -hmm. because I have found the best leaders are the ones leading themselves, not the ones pausing to turn around to see, am I being followed? Does this sound good? Do I have a following? Yeah. The universe spirit doesn't care. Yeah. That's, that's not, that's not why we're here. This is all about our experience. Mm -hmm. And, 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 you know, when I hear people needing to have a whole group, you know, they, there's that saying, um, the majority rules. And what I've learned in my own experiences, you know, the entire majority can be wrong, right? And you might have to be the lone voice of sanity in a situation and your practice in theory is giving you everything you need to be that lone voice without apology or needing permission or seeking validation go I'm staying here I don't know where the rest of you are going that's on you namaste but I'm staying here yeah that's so freaking powerful. It's like the the leader is the one that is doing their own thing, advancing themselves or whatever they're leading. And then the people just kind of are inspired by what they're doing. And that inspiration might drive them into action to sort exactly. of join the light or whatever it is you're standing for. Right. But it's not through dictation or no. shoulds or, you know, even trying to convince you with all my facts. Like look at how, especially even just talking about veganism and all that. Right. A lot of time people are trying to make change from if I tell you about the slaughterhouses. If I tell you, you know, about the hormones and that's going to scare you into change. And I think that's like exactly like you're saying, that's not the type of leader that we need or is going to be effective. You're just going to have a bunch of people try to cut out meat and then rebound with all the steaks and they're going to go back and forth. They're going to feel bad about it and guilty. And they're going to, you know, that doesn't drive anyone to actually make themselves healthier or better. Right. right? That's a trap, right? If you're a leader that can talk people into doing things and not thinking for themselves, your, your, your ego is going to make you a dictator very, very quickly. And so, you know, the practices, the work is getting to the point where you recognize it and you react in a, from a place of wisdom, you know, because I, I, I do think that given what we do, if our own well-being wasn't at the forefront Absolutely. It could become quite a mess rather quickly. Yeah. And you see that, you know, you see people coming from a disempowered place trying to impact others. And a lot of times there's good intentions and they think they're maybe doing, and often they're just new to it. (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, they haven't really done the the deep work for years, you know, to yeah. become what a leader is. And I'm not even claiming that I'm some perfect leader. Like we're all on a journey and I'm just a human trying to figure it out. But yeah, I, yeah, I do believe that we can definitely lead from love and example, not even just example of being perfect, just example of what this messy freaking path looks like. I would love to just obliterate this agreed upon definition of perfection. Mm -hmm. I want, I, I rewrote it for myself and people, you know, hear me out. What if perfection was you doing the best and being the best version of yourself you can in this moment? Mm. Not some far off place that you're never going to get to, not some ideal that, you know, um, you're never going to hurt. Everything's going to be easy. Like, what if it's just where you're at right now? Like, what does that now do to you from an energetic level, from a psychic level, from a spirit? Like this Monica, this Monica in this dimension is in, in this realm, in this now moment is perfection. Now what? Oh, yes. Yeah. No. And it's kind of like, like showing up and so it's almost like I, I kind of hear like showing up and doing your best, but being aware that your best isn't perfect. Like I have clients right. that it's like, I was not my best today, but maybe you were given exactly. the freaking curveballs. In that moment. Yeah. But, but it's like, but I lashed out and, but I cried and, but I was, it's like, but maybe that's all that you were meant to do in that moment. Right. That's what was available to you. You right. actually exactly. were doing your exactly. best. And they think instead of lashing out, I could have journaled, I could have meditated. Okay. But okay. Then tomorrow you, do that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I'll do exactly just, that. You were doing your best when you were triggered, when you were sad, when you were tired, when you were hungry, whatever. Right. Like you were doing your best. And it's like, no, I wasn't. You actually were. Yeah. Actually and that were. messy version of you is also part of the perfection. Perfection right. isn't clean. Perfection is, I'm just, I'm just going to keep showing up really. That's what, and, and that's why I really feel like we need to change this definition because if we keep this idea of perfection being something unattainable, people are going to stop trying to, to, to grow Mm -hmm. in a very conscious way because they're going to be like, this is too hard trying to be perfect. And, you know, I argue that if you are, if you're using all the tools to the best of your ability, if you're showing up with everything that you have in on, on that day, you can't do anymore. So what do we even talking about this life. And this is why I I, I didn't tell you this, but laughing Buddha is my favorite Buddha. Laughing Buddha helped me to understand that in a lot of ways, this whole thing is ridiculous. The whole thing is ridiculous. And so, you know, um, I'll find myself doing things. I'm like, you were not present there. Why did you just put the remote in the refrigerator? You know, and I laugh at myself because you know what? Sometimes I do need to kind of, you know, energetically drift away because I'm tired on some level. Yeah. And so that's funny to me. Or, or the fact that we do tend to, you know, um, make things more dramatic than they need to be. Oh, yeah, I could, I have a choice, right? I found my, my television remote in the refrigerator. I could berate myself or I could laugh. Mm-hmm. Which one is going to propel me forward in my journey? Yeah. 
Which one comes from self-compassion in that moment, right? Exactly. Yeah. This is a perfect place then also to ask you about the quest for self-discovery. And when we spoke very first, you mentioned um, that you wanted to talk about the quest for self-discovery, spirit, mind, and body. As I was writing it down, of course, I write mind, body, soul, or mind, body, spirit. And I scratched it out and I said to myself, I feel like she very intentionally said spirit, mind, and body. So can you tell me about that? Sure. So in, in, in my own journey, and um, I just want to say that this actually just came to me, um, the self-discovery part, not spirit, mind, and body. That I have known for quite some time. I was just thinking about, you know, how do you make a human, right? I'm a medium. So my perspective is perhaps different than someone who doesn't have, you know, access talking to spirit all the time. I'm thinking about, okay, you know, I've predicted babies. I've had the spirit of babies talk to me while their, their bodies were cooking, if you will. I'm like, hold on a second. The spirit is waiting for the body to be complete. Walking around the mom, you know, they're talking to me. Hey, tell her I'm going to be a girl. Hey, this, you know, these things. I'm like, all right, well, why? And then I thought about my own spiritual path and how addressing the body and addressing the mind was not giving me fulfillment. It was listening to spirit talk to me. It was allowing my, my I am, if you will. To not only be a whisper, but let her talk out loud and listen to what she's saying and you know, start recalibrating the mind to go, oh, you want us to stop eating meat. And the body's like, that's great because I'm done with meat. And go, what if we actually, you know, honored the order of how we even get here? What if... I started listening to my spirit first. And, and when I did that, and I started saying to my mind, okay, okay, this is energy. We don't have any words yet, right? The, bo- the job of the mind is to attach words to it so that there's understanding in the motherboard that is the brain. And now the brain can tell the body how to bring those things into this realm. Okay. And so when we talk about change, when we talk about addressing, you know, habits or the why we do what we do, nine times out of 10, it's because we've missed that critical conversation with our spirit. So, you know, even the other day, I was like, I'm frustrated. I'm frustrated. I don't know why I'm frustrated. And so I got still and I said, to my spirit, I was like, I'm, why am I frustrated? And you know what she, me said to I and we, I call myself a tribe. I I really feel like everybody should start thinking about themselves as as a tribe that you're constantly trying to keep in alignment because everybody deserves to be heard, whether or not it's that aspect of you that just wants to curse the rest of you out, whether it's like, hi, you know, the wounded child is like, listen, I need for all of us to do this, that, and the third. And I really started spending that time with myself. So I'm saying to my spirit, why are we frustrated? And the answer was, 
because you're trying too hard and you're not trusting the process of the universe. Stop trying to speed. You're not late. You're not early, no matter what it looks like. You're frustrated because you're tired. Things are not manifesting as quickly as you think that they are, but that it's not, you are a co-creator. Never forget that part. And when you act as the co-creator, when you listen, when you allow and just go with it, stuff just starts happening exactly when it needs to. Stop pushing. And I was like, okay, then I'm going to sleep. And I slept so good. (laughs) I slept so well. So understanding and getting in alignment with your spirit and allowing your ego to be a tool because we've been taught it wrong. We're so proud of our intellect. You can be the smartest person in the room and still be a spiritual idiot. It happens. We've all seen it. So when I, when I started understanding, okay, I even had a conversation out loud with my ego. Listen, I have really bad news. You are not the star of the show. You are, you're a co-star. Do you understand how excited the ego was to be a tool rather than to be the lead? Because that's what it's supposed to do. Do you understand how excited the mind was to just translate energy into words so then it could tell my body how we are going to enact these things? It was like a huge, like, relief. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Spirit, for all of this and oh, yes. for yes. being here to oh, I'm absolutely so grateful. So, so grateful. It's so incredible because I thought, and it's this too, but I was thinking we need to put the spirit connection as sort of our top priority and then mind and then body. Whereas a lot of us say mind, body, soul, and it's last or spirits last. Right. But you're also talking, like you say, the natural order of things. And as you were describing, you're frustrated, you tune into spirit, and then your mind just gets to translate what spirit's telling you. And then your body feels relief, or maybe your mind would have told you go for a walk or nap. Your body's going to respond. I'm going to nap. I'm going to go for a walk. But how we generally do it is we start with the mind. And that's exactly mind, body, soul. The mind doesn't know what you're supposed to be doing. And we go, mind, like, what do I do to get out of this? And people are always asking themselves these questions that they think they're being helpful, but just saying like, why is this not working? What's wrong with me? How am I blocking myself or whatever it is? We start in the mind and the spirit, like, where's the spirit going to come in now? Well, like, I can tell you right now, the mind doesn't know because that's not its job. Yeah. So it starts and exactly it's like, like, I'm what? a translator. What do you want me to do? And it, it's so obedient that if you say, what's wrong with me, it starts coming up with a laundry list of things that's wrong with you. And now, like, again, where is spirit going to come in, in this order of things? In the background, very quietly, right? The spirit is going, nothing is wrong with you. You're amazing. (laughs) You're doing a good job. You're divine. You're critical. You're important. But your mind is going, you're lazy. You're self-sabotaging. You don't spend enough time on this. You're not committed. You're going to fail. Is it early childhood trauma when somebody else's voice takes over and you're not even talking to yourself, but you've become the, you know, for lack of a better phrase, abuser by proxy, and now you're beating yourself up? That, that is something that only spirit can help you discern. And I cannot talk, I cannot talk about it long enough. The critical 
importance of discernment. Who's talking right now in your mind? Is it you? Is it, you know, your, your football coach that hated you? Is it like your, your last ex who was just like horrible to who's talking? Oh my God. Do you even know? Yeah. And it's like those voices become ours. Like we think they're ours. So if we were abused or say our mom said a lot of mean things or whatever about our body or something, and now we believe our body is not enough. It's actually her that we've taken on to disguise as our own. And now we just think our body is great. Our body is mean or it. Wow. Bam. <laughs> I mean, you know, because, uh, you know, you teach intuition as do I. And I talk about that with empaths. Like what's happened with empaths where there's, there's, there's this whole overlay of victimization. Bad things are happening to me because I'm insensitive. You know, you know, um, narcissists seek me out. And then I'm like, do you understand in order for us to have empathy, we have to be an empath? Do you understand in order for us to relate to one another, we have to be an empath? That's not, the issue isn't that you're a victim so much as you're unaware of the, dis, the importance of discernment. What belongs to me and what's not mine. So then when some icky energy comes through and you take it in because that's what impacts do, you don't know it doesn't belong to you, so you keep it and you internalize it and you take your system and you basically synthesize that negativity and you make it your language. Mm. That has to stop. Like and that reinf- have to learn how to discern. Oh my goodness, this is so powerful. So how do you feel like somebody could better hear their spirit? If they're hearing this and they're going, oh my goodness, this resonates, how do I put spirit first? Are there some sort of stepping stones or a place to start? Yeah, I actually have, have told people to do several things. And you know what? It's, it's amazing to me how terrified people are of themselves. People are really afraid of themselves. So the first thing, I have this exercise that I have given clients of a list. Like, love, hate. The list of things that I like about myself, that I love about myself, and that I hate about myself. And I have them write it down. Here's the the truth of this realm. For us, nothing is real until we've written it down. I can go in my head and, oh, that's not happening. You know, in early times as, as a psychic, you start getting, you know, premonitions. That's not me. That, when we write it down. So I am a huge advocate for journaling. Huge. But I start small. What do I like about myself? What do I, like? what do I hate about myself? So now it's in your face and you can look at it. The, and the reason, the, the order of how I say these things is important. Finding something that you like about yourself makes it easier to find something you love about yourself. Having something you like and love about yourself helps you, helps you um, deal with the thing that you hate. Mm. Yeah. You see, like, love, hate. Okay, whatever the thing is that you hate, is it because it's self-destructive? You know, let's look, look under that. Are you doing something or are you someone that you hate because of trauma? Okay, then let's go back to the why. Who did, which version of you did that happen to? Have compassion for that person. Let's heal that trauma. And that thing that you hate now has the ability to leave the list and to be transformed into something you love or like. But if we don't 
own what's broken. We can't heal it. So journaling is a huge one. Um, the other thing is check-ins. How do I feel right now? Morning check-ins, evening check-ins. Because when you do the check-ins, right, I'm now owning how I feel. So it doesn't matter who I encounter after I get out of my bed. Even if like, you know, you have a partner in the bed with you, do the morning check-in before you roll over and look at that person so you know where you are. And so when you have to encounter other energies, you either know it's like, "Mm, you know what? I haven't had my coffee yet. Don't talk to me. I'm not going to be pleasant. Right? You go, "Mm, you need a minute. Or, whoa, you were just too much. Okay, yeah, I'm going to back. I can't. But, you know, I found that people will say I've had a bad day or I've had a good day. And sometimes it's not even them having a bad day. They've just, you know, been this open chakra system, taking in everything and then, you know, saying, oh, that's mine. I, 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 the day started out great. I don't know what happened. Well, the, you went to your office where that, you know, miser, miserable, you know, dark hole of a person that your cubicle is next to. And that energy is highly contagious. Energy is contagious. And you didn't realize it was them and not you. Mm. So very, very small. Journaling and checking in. And just giving yourself the freedom to speak without judgment. The moment you want to say, I don't like that. No, 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 no. There's no scratching out in the journal. There's no, 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 no erasing. No, no. Write it down. Be as honest as you possibly can shut the journal, walk away, go about the rest of your day. Because if we think about it too much, the judgment comes in, right? The, 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 the self-flagellation, the, the, the hating, the, the, the everything. Just tell the truth in this moment and walk away from it. Mm. And I've been journaling since I was 13 years old. This is what you're going to find. If you, if you do it regularly, Your entire journey and every challenge you overcame has now been recorded. It's like having the Akashic records in real time. Mm. Wherever you are a year from now and you think, oh my God, I can never do this. I can never get past this. I can never, you can open up a book and go five years ago, you said the exact same thing. And look at us now. Yeah. Or when people think I haven't grown much. I haven't oh changed God, much. Yeah. And then they look back and a year ago, they're like, that was a Who is that ago? person? Yeah. I was dealing with this. And that was before I read this book or got mentored. Like, look how much right. has happened in a year, right? We, that looking back is everything. Mm-hmm. It's everything. It gives you a sense of belief in yourself and that you can do it. And you are, you know, tougher than you think you are. You're a lot more resilient. You're a lot stronger than you think you are. You know, every challenge overcome really is a win. And it's kind of that thing you need to sometimes tangibly see. And that's why I think journaling is so important. Because again, you know, when we're having the low moments of life, which are required in order to have the highs because they are, you know, the lows, like this is the lesson. And now the high, look, the reward. You're in the middle of a valley. You're like, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't make it to the summit. I'm not going to make it to the summit. You can go back and go, oh, wait, remember that smaller mountain we climbed last year? We can do it. It might take longer. I might be a little bit more scuffed up than it was last time. I may have to scramble a little, little bit more. But I always say to my clients, it doesn't have to be pretty to get done. Yeah. Oh, that's so that's so why I would tell people to start. Just, and, you know, and people talk about journaling a lot, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm telling you, it's the quickest thing 
to get out of your mind onto paper so you know where you're at and you have a sense of what we need to be working on. Mm-hmm. So that would be the first thing I say. A lot of people say meditation. And I'm like, it's a lot easier to meditate with an empty head than with you yammering to yourself incessantly. When yeah. you put it down in the journal, like you can empty your head and go, okay, now we'll meditate. When you let your mind just yammer, like it doesn't even have to make sense. But when you just let it yammer and you're like, okay, I'm going to be the scribe for your, you know, current temper tantrum that you're having. Once, once it's out, it's your whole body becomes lighter. You have a physical sensation from like, okay, I don't feel the weight because, you know, the brain is such a, it's, it's powerful. It is the motherboard for how the rest of the body reacts, right? You know, your nervous system starts right in your brain. So if you can do anything to alleviate what's going on in the brain, your entire body will become a lot more buoyant, a lot lighter. Your vibration will be a bit higher. And then you might be able to move on, you know, or at least go, I think I can. I, I, I feel like I can at least take one step. Yeah. Yeah, that lightness, it's for sure, you can feel that when it's shifted. And it's like the cork floating, right? It's like you just allow yourself to naturally be higher vibe instead of trying to be high vibe in this whole yes. thing. You know, fixating. You said a mouthful right there. Can you just say that again? (laughs) (laughs) Because I mean, I I know this, but I feel like it needs to be said again and slower because it's so important. Yeah. So you allow yourself to naturally float and naturally feel good instead of fixating on being high vibe and trying to get there. You allow yourself to naturally float. Yes. Yeah. It's so important because yeah. we were talking about this whole thinking, 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 oh, I should be, I should be chanting. I should be meditating. I should be this. I should be in yoga. You, like you can inundate yourself with all the healing modalities and still nothing work because mm-hmm. you didn't release it. Mm-hmm. You, you just, you know, did mental gymnastics and, and, you know, it didn't work. You showed up physically, right? You wrote down the mantras, listen to the meditation, but did you show up energetically? Were you in the being of what that was bringing to you? Right. And we touched on um, earlier the the mantras and things like that. Are you being in the energy of that or are you just saying it and just putting it on your mirror because that's what spiritual people do, you know? (laughs) Are you just trying to do it or are you embodying the being of what those words actually mean? I I do think that and it makes me, it, it, it's frustrating, you know, for those of us who are down and dirty and actually doing the work of spirit, because it is messy. You are going to get dirty. You are going to cry. You are going to have the breakdowns. And I have recently started talking about a good sign of the breakthrough is having the breakdown. You cannot go around the breakdown to get to the breakthrough. So I'm at the point where I feel a breakdown ha- is happening. I'm, I'm like, jump into the deep end of the pool. Because yep. the, the quicker you just embrace that breakdown, on the other side of it is the aha moment. Like, oh, I got it now. Yeah. I got it now. And I feel like, you know, um, the commercialization of spirituality just, doesn't want anyone to know about that part. We have a responsibility to go, listen, this isn't going to be pretty all 
all the time. But you also have to know is whenever anyone um, experiences any sort of, you know, life situation, whether it be a breakup, whether it be, you know, a, a death, whatever, we're all going through that to change us. Mm. You know what I mean? And so who you were as my friend before that situation may not be the same person. And if I love you, right, then I'm going to address the new you, not try to bring back the old you. Oh, that is so powerful, even for ourselves. Like, stop trying to bring back the old you. Or, you know, we do this where it's like, I've fallen into a depression. I want myself back or I want who I was back there or I want my body from whatever, right? And it's like, you have evolved. So let's look forward, you know, look at creation, not back. Like you say, when someone's yeah, well, I, I To this date, uh, I've never seen any historical record of um, the planet, nature, or even the human being evolve backwards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> weird it's never once happened not once yeah yeah it just keeps going forward (laughs) I love that that's so good oh that's so good I would love to ask you about boundaries we had touched on that a little bit um, before we hit record and so I'd love to hear your take on creating boundaries something stuck out when you were talking about earlier and you were saying, say you have a black hole of a person in the cubicle next to you. So you've checked in with yourself in the morning and you're feeling good. And now you're starting to notice as you go about your day, maybe it's a phone call from someone or you see something on social media, you compare yourself or there's a negative person or someone just sucking, feels like sucking the life out of you. Um, How do we create boundaries from love and using your, your spirit focus that you're talking about? So, you know, when you start living your life from your spirit. I have found you fall in love with yourself in the most profound way. And you realize how sacred that is. It's not necessarily fragile. It's sacred. When you understand that that aspect of yourself is the kind of the center of the universe that is you, that is something that you're not going to just welcome everyone into that you're going to give everyone access to because spirit, um, because I'm sorry, energy is contagious. So when I'm dealing with someone who is, you know, Debbie down or black hole, Sam or whatever, the first thing spirit does is they have compassion for them. Like, ah, oh, your spirit's suffering today. Yeah, we know what that's like. Okay. But this is the other thing I do. I disengage. I disengage because when you engage and you try to fix it and you try to make it better, especially if no one's asked you, you're putting yourself in the position to be lashed out at, okay? And so, like we were talking earlier about fixing. You know, one of the things I learned the hard way is not everyone has the same life goals about happiness. Believe it or not, not all of us are out here trying to be happy. It, 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 it shocked me when I realized it. This is, what do you mean? Because, you know, you hear that phrase, oh, everyone wants to be happy. That can't be true. Look at how we're living as individuals. Some people are just trying to survive. And happiness isn't part of the equation of how they go about doing life. So first thing is recognizing, you know, they're having a moment. 
and deciding whether or not you want to engage in that moment, it doesn't have to be nasty. It doesn't have to be mean, but it's about the boundary is, 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 is an expression of love for yourself. You know, a lot of these people are walking around as psychic vampires having no idea. They just want to feel better in where they're at right now. So for you to start um, treating them like they're necessarily the enemy is going to bring in an energy into yourself that you don't want. So it's like, this is me creating a boundary between the two of us. This is me saying no, not because I feel some sort of way towards you, but because I know how I feel about me. I'm in a good place with myself. I don't want to, and we are inviting, inviting energy in that's going to lower my vibration. That's going to make me feel, you know, less than who I truly am. So when we, boundaries can be something as simple as yes or no. Yes, I will invite you to my life right now. I will invite you into my space right now. I will invite your thoughts, your judgments, your whatever into my brain right now. We're saying yes and no a lot of the times and not realizing it. Boundaries can be simple as that yes or no. Now, that being said, expect them to be tested. People don't like being told they can't have their space and yours too. And don't feel bad about that. We shouldn't. You're protecting the integrity of your own well-being. And like I said, it will be tested, especially if I'm sitting next to you and I'm so miserable and you're smiling and you're glowing and your life looks so great. What is she so happy about? I think I'm just going to tell her her dress is ugly. My response to that as somebody who's worked on themselves, I'm going to first be like, okay, so didn't ask. What I have found is people really have come kind of become very fast and loose with their opinions that they can just come over and tell you what they think about you as if that's okay. And, you know, when you get really kind of good about the nuance of boundaries, you can feel no emotion and just say, so, um, didn't ask you, Talia, why are you over in my space? I'm not really interested in your opinion on my dress or my anything because I have to live in this skin. These are my consequences. Why don't you direct yourself to something you can actually control, like yourself? <laughs> and it's funny how people would go, ooh, like, can you say that? Like, it's almost like we've interpreted self-love and assertion or solid boundaries with being dominating or rude. It's like we, sh- like we should well, I mean, allow all their That's stuff. what we've been, been indoctrinated to believe. We're living in a time and we've been indoctrinated to believe that we don't have a say about what's okay for us, that we just have to follow the herd, you know, off a cliff to slaughter, whatever, whatever. But what I found about um, group think is that the group is never really served. It's the person that came up with the system that everyone is trying to bend and twist themselves into fitting into. They're miserable, but whomever is being, you know, served at the end typically is still miserable, but they have the most things. They have the most power. The ego is, you know, massive. And so we've been taught any time that we basically love ourselves, put ourselves first, we're bad. We're selfish. We're horrible. And, you know, there's a delicate nuance to loving yourself. 
and being selfish. But what's always going to tell you is if you feel your soul dancing on the inside, and somebody's like, oh my God, you're being selfish, but your soul's like, I'm dancing, I'm dancing. I'm, this is good. I love this party. This is my favorite song. Hit repeat. Then you are in alignment with yourself. And that's way more important than whether or not somebody likes you, thinks that you're nice, um, thinks that you're a team player, so on and so forth. Because if it was up to the rest of us, none of us would ever be happy. Mm. Yeah. So you have, to, you have to listen to that part of you or observe that part of you that's like, woo, we're partying, this is so good, because I am good with me. And you know what? That's really where it's at. Being good with yourself, like, oh my God, I'm, I love being me right now. Telling you to get on your side of the cubicle. I like this dress, you don't have to like this dress. I didn't even ask, I don't need your permission. Go back over there, focus on, you. Focus on why you're not happy right now. Focus right. on why you feel the need to spread that. Because does it make you feel better to, to spread discourse? It's not going to make you feel better to give that to me. So figure out what the root cause of your unhappiness is. And then when you can do that, I mean, we can hang out and chill because I'm happy. We can have drinks. We can celebrate each other and, and be together in that celebration. Oh my God. I picture like coworkers or family members and it's like turning it around being like, you go figure out what's making you unhappy and I'm so going to have a little soul member. dance. I am that person in my family. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. So if somebody is struggling with boundaries, they've witnessed that they have really maybe toxic people around them. So I primarily hear like close friends that are no longer serving them and family members. And they're like, you know what? My mom or this person in my life always just... I don't know, maybe like walks all over me and is Mm -hmm. rude and I leave feeling drained. It's like, Mm -hmm. where do we start with that? Because I really hear it comes from the self-discovery as we, you know. It really does come from self-discovery. And we start with practicing loving ourselves. Mm -hmm. Like I said, you know, um, all of this is a process. The relearning is a process. You know, the test after test after test. I mean, if you, I I tell my clients, if you can, if you can get your family to respect your boundaries, the rest of the world's a piece of cake. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh my goodness. Because. One of the things that we don't want to talk about or don't want to admit is we created this idea of obligation. Mm-hmm. And you know where it's led us to? Accepting abuse when we shouldn't from the people who are supposed to love us the most. Not accepting boundaries can become abuse just like that in the snap of the finger. So when you recognize and realize I need to assert myself, I need to protect myself. And yes, I get it. You're my mom, but here is, I'm an adult now, especially when you're an an adult, right? You've seen a lot and endured a lot as a child. When you're an adult and you start loving yourself and asserting yourself, they have to recognize and treat you like the adult you are, not the child you were. And this is where we have problems, right? When we're triggered, everybody falls back into their roles of what happened a million years ago. And until you assert yourself and start training people how to treat you, it's going to be hard. And if you can do it with yourself first, yourself, because if you can't convince yourself, like, forget it. And that's why I say, don't jump into that. Do not jump into that. Just practice the liking, the loving, and just small things, small things. And then it becomes its own spiritual practice. I feel the need to repeat for the people listening, probably also for myself, 
the sense of obligation we have created because there's this understanding like it's a rule when the dramatic person wants us to drop everything and come to their rescue or whatever it is, or the person at the, you know, family dinner table wants to say everything they're thinking. We think that we should entertain, listen, give our time, give our whatever, right? Our attention. We should believe them. We should somehow be enrolled in what they're doing. And I think that is so important is like we created the obligation. The obligation, obligation itself, think of how that word makes you feel. Is it a warm, fuzzy feeling? I, 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 can I be honest about how I feel about the word obligation? Flip the bird at it. Yeah. That's what it, I, it feels like you, a scratchy, feels like a scratchy sweater that I'm like, why am I still carrying this thing around? I, I don't do it anymore. And my family will tell you. And, and it took a while to train them. It did take time of not speaking to people, mm. but you know what? Here's what's the truth. When we choose to spend time together, that's a gift exchange and it needs to be treated like that. I don't have to, just like this, right? You and I we vibed, you know, in a place, had a great conversation, and we've now been gifted with each other's presence. It doesn't matter that it's your mom or your dad or your sister, whatever. You don't have to choose to be there and vice versa. So if we're going to choose to be around one another, it does need to work for everyone involved. Because if it's not, someone's getting hurt. You're hurting yourself being in a place where people are not kind to you, they say they love you, but their actions are not loving. So then at the end of the day, who are we really mad at? Our mom for being herself that she's been ever since we've known her? Or ourselves for going, why are we here? Why did you do this to us? Why did you bring us into the place where people hurt us? Because you're still trying to love yourself. Them being pleased with me, more important than me feeling sick and gross and angry with myself, that I put them, myself, us, the collective us, the tribal us, the spirit, you know, the mind and the body in this place. Yeah. The spirit's upset. The mind's like, what the fuck? And the body's like, I'm going to throw up if we have to stay here five more minutes. Yeah. That's exactly what it's like. <laughs> uh, I've been there. I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, who am I serving? Who am I serving in this moment? Is it in my best and highest good to be in a situation where I, I know I'm walking into a situation knowing I'm going to leave hurt, broken, mm. bleeding, you know, energetically speaking, leaking energy. And now I'm a mess and I have to spend the next three or four days cleaning myself up and putting myself back together. Yeah. Why do that when you can just say, no, thank you. Thanks for the invite, but I don't think I'll be attending. Yes. I love this. Thank you so much for sharing. All this. I feel like this episode could easily be like three hours long because I just want to sit <laughs> three here. Three days, cup of tea. you know, drink some water, hydrate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> everyone go have a nap. We'll be here still yeah. talking when you get yeah, back. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, okay, so is there anything lastly that you want to say for everyone here that needs your light and is really vibing on what we're talking about? I will say this. No matter how scary it seems, no matter how challenging it is, no matter how many times you break and have to put yourself back together, the end result every single time 
will be it's worth it. It is worth it. As you grow, as you change, as you start really connecting with your own self and you start feeling who you truly are coming to the forefront, you will find the rhythm of this entire process. And not only will you allow it, you will start relishing it. You will know exactly where you are in your own ascension process. You will know what rung of the stairs you're on and go, okay, this is hard because that means if I keep going, the breakthrough is coming and I will be on the landing where I can just soak this new information in and I can start up the ladder or up the stairs to the next space. It is worth it. You are worth it. I can't say it enough. You are worth it. Yeah, it's so worth it. I, I so agree with you. It is so worth it. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much, Monica. This has just been so fun and so incredible. I'm so blessed to have connected with you. If my listeners want to find you online or check you out, how can they do that? Um, so my website is www.conduitofhealing.com. I am on Instagram at Conduit of Healing as well as on um, Tumblr. On Twitter, I'm Conduit of Healing without the G at the end. Thank you, my love. Thank you. Appreciate it. Hey love, thank you for listening to today's episode. I really hope you got some incredible value from it. And if you did, pretty please head over to iTunes and leave me a review and hit the subscribe button. This really does make a huge difference in the success of the show. And it really shows me that you want this type of training, tools, techniques to hack law of attraction and have you manifest fast. Thank you in advance for that. And before I go, I want to remind you that there is a version of yourself that already has what it is that you want, already has the manifestations, already has the love, the abundance, the success, the freedom, the self-confidence, and everything else that you could want. So what I'm going to encourage you to do today is to envision her, embody her, ask what's her energy about, what's her mindset, like and what advice does she have for me today as you do this my love you awaken her you quantum align you collapse time and you make yourself able to manifest the life you want so much quicker have a fantastic day and i will see you in the next episode